This is Jim Wills, and you are listening to the Crave Magazine Podcast, where we feed your soul with art. Art is a communication from the subconscious of humanity. Art elucidates reality. It elucidates life. Peace and love to everyone. Live in your truth. The universe will take care of the rest. Art is the expression of human creativity. All right, I'm here today with Gordon Materian and Jesse Frazier. They're two co-owners of a new gallery that we'll talk about a little bit. Gordon is a provocateur. I'm curious to hear what that is all about. And Jesse is an internationally known artist, and he's also the owner of the Inglewood Tavern. We're sitting in the soon-to-be-talk gallery which is on Broadway in Colorado, in Inglewood. And we're gonna talk about the gallery, we're gonna talk about both you guys and your histories. So before we get really into it, what I like to do is start off with an inspiration, something that inspires you, that you carry with you, that you know, just inspires you throughout the day. So why don't you both give me a little inspiration? Inspiration, huh? Yeah. Uh, let's see, there's a, um, I don't know if this is what you're looking for, but I think Anything. about this usually on a daily basis. Okay. There's a Warren Zevon quote uh, right towards the end of his life when he knew he was terminal and on his way out. And he's being interviewed and the interviewer asks him as he's going through this crazy life and death or death and death time. Yeah. Uh, if he had any words of wisdom or anything he'd like to share. And he looks off and kind of smiles at the camera and says, enjoy every sandwich. <laughs> and that's your inspiration? And for me, that's that's what uh, that's what keeps me going is when things get tough when things aren't going my way when things are going great or my way is just enjoy it all be be present in the moment and uh enjoy it all because yeah. it's, it's all we got man <laughs> that's that's actually some really deep wisdom there enjoy every sandwich gordon how about you well you know i wish i had known this question was coming because my list is like you know it's a lot of, <laughs> but you know i wake up really early i have forever okay you know, four o'clock a.m guy six days a week for sure with an alarm or just uh the alarm goes off but it's usually because my eyes are already there okay all right but early on when i was working out this fucking old guy who had been at the gym forever like since the beginning he looked i said you know i was looking for motivation even though in hindsight i understand there is none right you know you just got to do it but um he looked at me, I asked him because I thought he would give me some pearls of wisdom. And he left me with this. He says, I wake up every morning and I get everything done before the sun comes up. And then I look at the sky and I say, fuck you, son. I win again. Wow. And it was, to me, it was, it was so important because he understood like his time on the earth really limited sure he, he kind of understood at that point in his life now I'm, you know, I'm 46 so I, I have a little bit of better grasp of what he was trying to convey because i was 15 at the time but you know he looked out and he knew for his limited time here you know he was going to be his darndest to kind of beat the cosmos in his own private way yeah. so yeah. I, I pulled that into my life at 15. And, uh, you know, whether I'm at the gym early in the morning and I, I finish and I'm driving home and it's still dark, I, I, every single time that happens, I kind of look at the dark sky and the sun coming up and I'm just, 
I'm not filled with awe. I'm not filled with wonder. I'm not staring at the endless beauty of the cosmos. I'm just kind of looking to myself and I say, fuck you, son. I win again. Oh, that's good. Yeah, that's good. They kind of tie in to enjoy every sandwich. Fuck you, son. They kind of go hand in hand. Yeah, I won't win forever and we won't be able to enjoy every sandwich that's right. forever. That's right. That's for sure. While you're here. Mm-hmm. That's right. You'll find, and this is all, this has been some of the things that I've enjoyed about my relationship with Jesse. We're very similar people coming to life from completely different places. Well, let, let's get into that a little bit because yeah. as I sit here and I know that the people listening can't see this, but Jesse, you're dressed like a biker, <laughs> a, a, a rocker, maybe a little bit a rocker on his day off. But and, and Gordon, you've got a suit on, or at least it's a sport coat on. Yeah. And so in a tie, yeah. you're, you're dressed to go to a, a courtroom, mm-hmm. and you're dressed to hang out. And I'm rock, actually going to rocking. do drywall at my house after. <laughs> <laughs> so you're dressed to work a little bit. <laughs> And so, I got some contracts to sign yeah, up, so let's go into that thing. Let's get into your history a little bit. Um, and as related to as related to this gallery, as as you guys came together, talk about how you guys came to to be here today. So why Gordon, why don't we start with you? You know, this is this was such a beautiful moment for uh, my wife and I in that we moved to Colorado from California and we were really I would say integrated into the socal art scene okay um we were there for the kind of like rollout of lowbrow when people were just getting into the post-contemporary art scene that's happening today we were there and it with the mecca for that no matter what people say was really in southern california and i know people are going to object to that but the thing that was happening in socal that wasn't happening place else is rents were low mm-hmm. and so uh, galleries could afford to take chances on artists. And if you were in New York, if you were in San Francisco, if you were in Germany or London or any of these other international hubs for art, admittedly hubs for the most amazing art in the world, you still had to have like a guarantee of making, you know, 20 to 30 or $50,000 a month just to cover your rent if right. you're mm-hmm. in some of these really high rent areas. And unless you're ha- using established artists, that's just not going to happen. Right. You had somebody that had some right some pre notoriety yeah so so southern california was able to take some chances that other places just weren't and um it was the beginning of the internet age so the chances they were taking kind of snowballed you know um people were really interested in these new things and that spread like wildfire faster than newspapers ever had or magazines you know but when lorraine and i moved here we were really excited for what was happening in Denver, you know, super, super excited. We just started going to every gallery show that we could. I, I went on uh, the internet, I just Googled Denver artists and, and went on Facebook and just friended randomly every single one just to kind of get a taste for what was happening here. And uh, Jesse was having a show at a gallery and Lorraine and I wanted to see it. And we went and I found this guy. <laughs> And uh, coincidentally, uh, these canvases were the ones that were being shown that day. That Coca-Cola canvas and this Marlboro canvas were up on the walls. And um, there was also a a Brillo box, uh, but it was uh, called FAMO. And the conversation around that FAMO box changed my perspective of who uh, Fame Worldwide was. And so that's Jesse's alias. Um, and um, 
the complexity about what was actually going on in the production and the idea of this cardboard box completely blew me away. And um, I wanted to bring it home, which I did. And then wanted to get to know this guy. So I invited him out to dinner. And so Lorraine and I cooked him dinner. Okay. That, that was the beginning. Is that where we slide into Jesse's story? Sure. I mean, <laughs> or maybe he could reiterate what his perception was about our first meeting. But yeah, it's it's funny. Like Gordon touched on earlier that we we end up at the same place, but we come from different perspectives. Yeah, sure. With his SoCal and uh, kind of lowbrow culture that was going on there, I was in tune to that here as well. But I knew that it was in SoCal and was looking for it here. Right. Are you from Denver? Yeah, born and raised here in Inglewood, Colorado. Okay. And uh, the the way that I came to being an artist or in the painting was kind of kind of through the back door. I uh, <laughs> I put up stickers of my my helmet um, imagery, and that introduced me to a bunch of different artists and kind of gave me the confidence to start painting. And not seeing the kind of lowbrow things that I that I had in my mind or that I wanted. That's what led me to the style that I'm doing now and the whole whole situation. Um, so you fast forward quite a few years and I'm a part of a gallery with a few friends of mine. And basically we have a, a show that's almost, uh, the, the pieces that he's talking about on the walls right now uh, were shown there. And then there were some leftover pieces, uh, this Famo box that, um, that Gordon's talking about. That's when I was doing the stickers, I didn't want it to be known as me. I wanted it to be its own thing. Sure, so sure. I called it fame, F-A-I-M. Visually, I thought that looked better. And then worldwide to make it sound like it was really big instead of me in my one one bedroom studio apartment cutting out stickers and putting them up all over Capitol Hill and Colfax. Yeah. So I made, made the Warhol boxes almost out of a, uh, uh, I guess, a response. I was feeling really unappreciated uh, by people that would come into our gallery. It was, let's go jam some free beers and listen to a live band and like look at the cool art, but we're never gonna buy anything and we're never gonna collect it or su- right. support this local art scene that people pour everything and you know their, sure. their lives into. Their whole life, yeah. But we're gonna go, go drink all the free beer and have fun. And the few people that did, did wanna buy the paintings would somehow tried to talk me down in price or, well, I don't know, this color won't go good in our living room. Can you go 200 less? And so after months and months and years of hearing this, finally, I, for lack of a better word, I snapped and uh, came up with a show that was, if, if you're going to treat my, my art like a product, then I'm going to sell it to you like a product. Okay. So I did the whole gallery in uh, wheat pasted helmets and I called it Fame Mart to make it look like a big box store. Sure, sure. But in reality, it was fame art. Okay, yeah. But the, the sign that I made was very intentional to make it look like a big box store. And I made cereal box-sized um, multiples and bought retail shelves. I mean, it, it looked like a little grocery store. Okay. And part of that grocery store was the the famo boxes that I um, cop, uh, copied off uh, famous Andy Warhol Brillo boxes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And that was kind of, uh, a sh- I think a show or two before I met Gordon and Lorraine. So I had boxes left in the studio. So when they came into this, the show that they were at, same same thing happened. My, my big 
up on my soapbox moment of if you're going to treat it like a product, I'll sell it to you like a product. Of course, no one bought anything again and there was leftovers. So by the time they got there, I was pretty much uh, had surrendered to the fact that it was going to be the same as it always was. And in walks this big guy and, and his beautiful wife and they are asking them the most insane questions and looking for responses and connection instead of just oh you're an artist great where's where's the beer (laughs) so we just kind of connected instantly on i I could talk to someone and i could i could bounce ideas off someone and they were they were reaching out and i was in i was reaching out and it was just this really great spark so as we walked through the gallery and uh they asked they asked great questions about the inspiration behind the paintings and the meanings and um we made it back to my studio area and Gordon saw that the leftover boxes and was like, tell me about these. <laughs> so basically went into the story and be- because, uh, I guess a, uh, a fringe benefit or a side benefit of not selling everything is that you have your whole history right there in your studio. <laughs> <Sure>. <laughs> so I was able to give Gordon Lorraine a, uh, a nice tour of my, tour. of my career and, and explain things to them in a way that I really hadn't had a chance to for anyone else before. Yeah. And, uh, that the FAMO box is kind of was the catalyst for that, that I think, I mean, I guess you guys walking in the show and us meeting obviously would be the catalyst, but I think the FAMO box really kind of elevated the friendship, uh, accelerated it sure. because we could connect over this this object that we both, once again, came came to it from different places, yeah, yeah. but arrived at the same place, if that if that makes any sense. It does. I think, I think it's interesting that uh, you talked about like people coming to the show and, and um, you recognize that when someone comes in and they start asking you can you explain why you put that in there or, and they start talking about the art itself in a way that connects to you. And, and I mean, that's obvious to us, the three of us sitting here, that is like somebody who's really into art, you know, and it's an, it's easier, I think for an artist to connect with that person because now they're talking about your craft and they're curious about you. And that sounds like that's what happened with you guys. You, it it, it certainly did. But I would say that I talked with a lot of artists like that. Mm -hmm. I, I really, enjoy the conversation around the language of art. So that being said, there are an enormous portion of artists who thrive in the environment of giving away alcohol on first Friday. Sure, sure. And they are not prepared to enroll you in what they're doing. Yeah. So for me, for Jesse, you know, he, he's told this story several times, and, and every time I'm a little misty, I'm like, yeah, that was a great night, you know. But the the reality is, is that it was refreshing for Lorraine and I. You know, we had been to several shows, and so as, as, as wonderful as that night was with Jesse, where he really did go through his portfolio and, and really was incredibly honest in his frustrations, which was distilled in that FEMA box um, in a way that I rarely saw in anything and that's why we bought it i mean we were you want to give it to us i was like fuck off you know you need some money for this and uh the kind of conversation around that night was i think we met a real artist darling yeah you know we we might like to spend some more time with this person what do you think about inviting him over for dinner and on the way home you know it was decided that let's have been be one of the first guests in our house nice yeah 
I can look at an art and I can easily come up with my own reasonings for why, why that art exists or what it means, but I like to get inside the head of the artist, especially if it's weird, wild art, like I don't understand it or it doesn't connect to me in a certain way. Talk to me about why that is or talk to me about why you created it. And so tell Jesse, like that's, you had those people skills to be able to discuss with somebody, not just in general terms, but specifically talk about your art and what it means to you. And I think that's, that's important for a connection for any artist. Yeah, most definitely. I mean, the uh, being able to communicate and, and have a good time and tell a good story and have fun with people is something that that I I love. I yeah, mean, that yeah. I just do that when I go to the grocery store. You know, it's <laughs> that's never been too difficult of a part. Um, and in being able to to speak to my art, um, I've always always had that. But it wasn't until I met Gordon and Lorraine, and actually the the dinner that he's talking about that. Uh, my girlfriend Mallory and I went over. I didn't realize it at the time, but Gordon Lorraine invited us into this very, um, it was a very curated, very well thought out dinner. Mm-hmm. And it was very specific. The the plates that we were eating off of, the way that the table was set, the, the wine, that the wine is really what just changed it all for me. It opened up my mind in a way that I hadn't really been to before the paintings that we were looking at that night of the show. I spoke to them in that, yeah, this image is from this found source and this is from a comic book. When, when asked, Gordon Lorraine asked about the paintings, I was able to speak to them on a small level in that I could tell them where the imagery came from, how I was feeling when I painted it, but not necessarily, I didn't quite have the toolkit yet to explain it the way that it was in my head. Sure, sure. There was a disconnect between here, here, and here. You know? Okay, your, Sorry. your heart, your head, your mouth. Head, head yeah. heart, mouth. I, yeah. I apologize. No, no, no I forgot we're on the old time radio here. <laughs> so uh, you fast forward to this dinner, and Gordon Lorraine put on this amazing spread for us in their amazing home, and just treat us to a really, a really great night where when we left there, we felt like we were more educated and we were more part of the conversation of what a dinner party should be, sure, you know what I mean? Sure. And I know that that might sound, that might sound simple, but at the time, I mean, I mean, you would get the goosebumps thinking about it. When we walked out of there, it just, it, it opened my mind into, oh, the reason that Gordon and Lorraine have their, what, 18 inch or 16 inch bowls on the wall that they've collected and have curated in a very awesome fashion also goes with the, the dining table that we're eating at. And not only that, but it goes with the meal they prepared and the wine that we have and the history of this wine. That, so it, it started the wheels turning in a way that they hadn't before. Okay. And then as our friendship grew and, and Gordon, uh, you know, shared knowledge that he had and, and, and inspirations that he had, it's really, really helped me open my mind and kind of step up to another level of being able to talk to my art and, and own it, you know, and it's, it's yeah. just been super exciting. Well, I, I would say that one of the things that's a philosophy that we're taking into the gallery and this is, this is important in that Jesse and I are working very, very hard to make sure that when a guest comes in to talk, they're elevated, they leave elevated, they leave with a sense that they have been elevated. Okay. They're not spoken down to. They're not condoned. They're just, it's just 
You walk in with an idea about what things are, and then you leave understanding what things are. So let's fast forward then to, to where we are today. We're sitting in what's to be talk gallery. Mm -hmm. Talk a little bit about that, either one of you guys. I love hearing you talk about this place, but it gives me goosebumps <laughs> every time. Well, let's I'll see. talk about it too. I mean, they're all punctuated. I love that. I'm trying to think, are we going to like historical or should we talk about? Well, he gets to edit, so let's. Oh, okay, yeah. yeah, yeah. Tell you want. Want. yeah. So uh, I first was approached by the building owner to see if I wanted this space as a studio. Okay. And the previous gallery that I was associated with was kind of dissolving at that time. And uh, it, it made sense to have my own spot. Sure. So when I first came in here to open that front door, this was a dingy storage unit from, I think, 75 or something like that. So stuff just accumulated everywhere yeah. from the bar next door. Um, this used to be a barber shop, so there was still uh, fixtures from the barber shop, the wash tables and all. I mean, it, it really looked bad. And I took one look around and said, where do I sign? I wanted my own space so bad. So I came in, started trying to make sense of everything, cleaning it out, got it to a somewhat workable space where it would have been just a studio, uh, nothing fancy and probably not a place many people would want to come to. And I was completely fine with that. Yeah. And uh, had, had told Gordon about it. Like, I got my own studio. I'm so excited. You know, you should come check it out. I just, it was my, my new, my new thing. All right. Right. New spot. And we had talked about it. And in, in that talk, we had talked about, uh, the direction my paintings were taking and kind of where, where my mindset was and just, uh, just a, a great conversation. He said, Hey man, I would love for you to come to the museum with me. Would you, could you make some time? We'll go to the museum. So we go to MCA and we walk around and have a great, uh, great time, great day. And, uh, going to a museum with Gordon is like no other. I mean, <laughs> you have, you have your own personal tour guide, curator, <laughs> uh, bodyguard, smart ass. <laughs> it's just, it's just an experience like no other. So after this just amazing day and, uh, uh at, at, I'm sorry, as I was, trying to fix this place up. I'm, I'm starting, starting the business next door, uh, the Inglewood Tavern next door. Hours are crazy. And it, it just, I was, I was being torn in all these different directions. Sure. So just to make it a conscious effort, like I'm going to the museum from two to five with Gordon, no matter what, and to knock that time out and go with him and not only just have the time to do something, but to be rewarded with this friendship and this knowledge and this, this experience was just, it was a, a recharge for my batteries. So we're walking out of this museum show and he's like, Hey, man, let's, let's walk across the, you know, walk, walk across the river here. So we're walking and he, and he, uh, you could tell he's a, not hesitant, but just very, uh, very mindful of what he's about to say or very. Choosing his words. Yes. Yeah. yeah. Where normally Gordy's just like, he's very, very well-spoken and very, chooses his words very well, but usually they, they come out when they come out. But I right. could tell he was like, well, hey, man, let me let me just talk to you a little bit. Let me ask you something. So long story short, he proposed the idea of he and I starting a, a space here. And it just, once again, coincidentally from different places, was kind of exactly what I wanted to hear. 
And that, that, let me back up too, because that was a fun day. It was a great day. Uh, a few days earlier, uh, I had asked Jesse, you know, hey, what's going on with your studio? I want to see some artwork. Now, this is why, is that I, I'm desperate for authentic, real art. I want this kind of life where people are surrounded with beautiful things that aren't just matching the couch, but have significance and meaning. Sure. Um, and Jesse delivers. Right, so what are you doing? Oh, I'm fucking painting the walls of my bar. <laughs> so selfishly, and no offense to that, none taken. Right, none taken. I was like, we gotta get this fucking guy moving because I'm. We gotta put a foot in his ass to get him to create. So I asked my wife. I said, Hey, what do you think about opening a gallery? And she was like, You were meant for that. And um, so I, you know, I think I'd like. I'm gonna hit up Jesse and see if he'd like to create in a space that he's not tied down to every month. Maybe that's what he needs and we can get him to create um, a show a year and the rest of the time the space is being utilized. What do you think? She's like, oh my God, great idea. She loves she's point blank. She loves Jesse's work. And uh, so I went down there with every intention of manipulating the fuck out of this guy to get him to give me some fucking art on in my life that was authentic and Denver. And uh, it all came from, hey, it's been eight months. What have you painted? Gordon Touch, I did paint the, the murals in my bar. Right, right. Yeah. I guess I was naive enough to think I could open two businesses at once, even though this wouldn't have, the way that I, I envisioned it and what it would have been are entirely two different things. Sure, as usually is. <laughs> so the, the, bar, the bar took off and it, uh, just my time restrictions, it was there. I mean, I was seven nights a week closing sometimes doubles like it had to be that way to get for that business to get legs sure, sure so this one suffered and when it got to a point where this had real short legs it wasn't quite running yet but it was there this started to take better shape you know and would have been would have been a fun studio you know jesse's playhouse come hang out have some free beers and don't buy any art sort of <laughs> situation <laughs> and uh, yes <laughs> when, Say that in the most condescending way possible. By <laughs> <way>. <laughs> when Jordy approached me with it, it was not only, I mean, because we didn't really know at that time that it would be, it would turn into what, what talk was, is, is becoming or is going to be. Sure. It was still in the infancy. But just the fact that someone that, that I cared about and someone that I respected reached out and was like, hey, man, I dig what you're doing and I want to be a part of it. Yeah. Like that just meant the world to me. For me, it was uh, the most hilarious response ever to a business proposal. Hey, what do you think about partnering with somebody on, on your gallery studio space? Oh, man. Depends on who it is. You know, I'd have to meet him. <laughs> talk to him for a while. You know, I'd really have to get to know him. I'm like, he's me, motherfucker. You know, like, seriously, dude? Yeah. You know, and at that exact moment, like, Jesse's shoe was untied. So he reached down to, like, tie a shoe and here we are in this big beautiful park and this woman walks by with her dogs and she turns around and she grabs her heart because she's like oh, he's proposing oh. <laughs> it was so awesome it was like everything the stars were aligned man and everything was perfect and uh, you know, we're sitting there and, you know, a partnership started right then. You know, he yeah. went away excited. I called up Lorraine right away. I'm like, hey, I think we're going to be in the gallery business. And 
I think we're going to get some paintings from Jesse to be produced. I think we're going to see some fame worldwide paintings in the next 12 months. What do you think about that? She was overjoyed. There's, there's, you know, leading up to A, point A, but that was point A as yeah. far as I was concerned. That was the moment in which, like, it all kind of, kind of crashing down that it's real. We have access to a space. It's got giant windows. It's on Broadway. It's ready. So now, what does it look like? What, what, what are we going to create that's different, that's a draw, that makes people want to come in here and hang out or, or talk to us? You know, what does that look like? And the initial conversation was all around, what do we name it? You know, and uh, what we bounced different ideas off each other. We thought we would pivot. Maybe Jesse's our alias. Went, you know, the fame gallery. Fame, fame, yeah. yeah, you know, something along those lines. And um, I was ready for that. In fact, I was pushing that. I thought, like, you know, Jesse Frazier's uh, Materium, you know, what, it was always like this combination of fame and GM fame art or what it was always something Try, like, trying to combine the two and it just was kind of a yeah and Jesse was pushing up against he's like no I'm, I'm not feeling that and um, one day I think we we're in the back of the bar uh, you came up with the with the comp with the with the name and it was from a conversation that you had had with your one of your good friends who uh, had a gender identity they, they they were transitioning. Yeah, they were transitioning. And so talk about that because that was a fantastic conversation. Yeah, that's what I'm just trying to think of it without saying too much about that person's Right. You yeah, know what I, I mean? Know. Like that's yeah. the tricky but part. It was like As she and I had, had worked together on quite a few projects and you know you're up on ladders, it's all hours of the day, all hours of the night. You talk about everything. Yeah. Music, yeah. film. But eventually you you talk about your life and she's telling me that she uh, she had to have the talk okay. uh, with friends and family and more or less explain this transitioning thing because they didn't know what it was and they didn't, they weren't familiar with it and they, it scared them and there was stigmas attached to whatever they thought transitioning was. So when she told me that the talk, you know, when, when you're a kid, it's the birds and bees, you know, right, right. That's <laughs> the talk, yeah. as you get older and, and you're transitioning that, that, that kicks the birds and bees ass, you know, yeah. like that's a, a talk to have. Yeah. So in, in between her story to me and then Gordon and I talking about what we were doing, it just, that word kept popping up and kept rising to the top of our conversations. It's such a distillation of what we're doing. It's such a beautiful single syllable and you know it just punches you right in the face if you think about it you know it's just it's perfect it's perfect for what we're doing the show we have coming up is an abstract expressionist show but it's pivoted against the era this entire gallery the staged in like 1940s listening room you're going to see all the authentic stuff that was happening when those when that art movement was born, when it was hitting its heyday, you were going to be immersed in what life provided, right? And you're going to see yourself on the walls. Well, let's talk specifically about this gallery. It's, it's, uh, how many square feet? 500? Not even. <laughs> this, what is it? Just under five, four, 
Seven. It's a big room. <laughs> so, so, so we have this big room here. Yeah. And then you had talked before we were recording uh, about the immersion aspect of it. And it won't just be art on the walls. It's going to be a whole kind of experience when you walk in the door. Absolutely. Would you guys talk about that a little bit more? So, yeah, no, I, I love what we're doing so much, but I, you know, my concern is that it's going to be Gordon on the, I'm not nearly as charming. As no, no, we'll be good. We'll be good. Uh, yeah, please. Uh, so one of the things that I, I believe is really important for people and I think is lost and some of the New York galleries have this and it's extraordinary is that you walk in and you're not just looking at the paintings on the walls and, and this isn't an objection. Okay, I'm not I'm not discounting anybody in the business. Sure. Okay. Sure. But what's really wonderful slash horrible about the public is they want to know how it's going to go with their couch. Right. You know, or they want to say, "Oh, I like this, but could it be pink?" They don't understand the conversation around art as a language, and if it's pink, it's a different painting, and it means something else. Right. So it's not the same. It's not the same conversation, sure. right? So that pivot has to turn into, well, what would it look like if you walked into my house, right? In this way, we are perfectly curating the work. So the work will be on the walls, but at the same time, you're going to come in and there's going to be a, two 1950s chairs next to a 1950s and 40s table. The MCM movement was on fire when the mid-century modern movement kind of came in and one was a reaction to the other in a really extraordinary way. The Bauhaus movement kind of came in full force with the Mondrian ideas and and uh, and the Eames uh, later styles of cabinets and things like that. That stuff informed the movement Sure. And when you walk into a room and the stuff is missing, how do you have a complete conversation regarding what you're looking at? Yeah. You know, you're already asking the, the, the patron or the customer to imagine what the art is on the wall. Well, how about you sit in the chair that would have been sitting right there for you, you know? And suddenly you're thrown back in time and you're experiencing the art as authentically as it can be presented in our 500 square foot space. And you cannot help but be elevated and informed mm. just by being in the presence, surrounded by what would have what you would have seen. Yeah. And as a consequence, everything is for sale. So when you go, you look at the walls and you're like, God, I love that piece. But my God, that couch goes perfectly with that piece. That's not upsetting. That's not a bad thing. <laughs> okay. I want that for you. All right. And I want you to say, Gordon and Jesse, I just need to bring home this whole suite. I, I need everything that's going on in this room in my life for the next 10 to 20. Yeah. You know, and that's our goal. Our goal is to have you kind of experience what this would be in your home. What would it would be like to live with this every day? What it would be like to take home this experience and live it, Yeah, you know? And um, that is a conversation and a talk that you can have every single day. You walk in, you're like, you know, I didn't understand this abstract expressionist piece at all. I didn't understand abstract expressionism at all. I always thought it was something my kid could do. But now I realize that this person is touching a, a, an intellectual side of me that I didn't know was there. 
And that, that piece with its browns and pinks and blacks remind me so much of X. Yeah. And look at the way it pulls this whole room together. It just a swirl of color that my eyes dance in like the night sky. And look at the way that now I'm looking at this table and I know this table was in this person's home for 40 years. Imagine, imagine what touched this table before it ended up in my house. Right? You get you get a sense that there's that there's something larger than yourself and there's something bigger than yourself out there, and you get to sit in it and freaking watch Netflix. Well, you know, it's it's interesting because a lot of galleries, as we know, it does, it's just white walls and the artwork is on the wall, and you're like, oh, this is beautiful artwork, whatever. There's a few galleries around town that I've been in, they've done shows like that, where you walk in and it's sort of immersive, where there's more than just work on the walls. And I always love it. It's just, it takes you to a different level of appreciation of the art, even if you don't have a conversation. Right. And I love that you guys are doing that and then going one step further that you encourage the conversation. Let's talk about the art and not just the art. Let's talk about the furnishings and, and the whole kind of immersion of it. And the, the relationship between the two. Yeah. And a lot of times it won't just be a time period. It'll be this furniture designer was working in this area of the world while this painter was working in this area of the world at the same exact time, they were listening to the same exact music, which we'll be playing as well. And so it's not just like a themed room for a party or something. You know what I mean? There's a, a deeper connection yeah. in that it, it's all curated. It all, it all cycles off of one another. It all makes sense within the room. Yeah, yeah. So this gallery is in Inglewood, Colorado, on Broadway. South Broadway, where it's kind of like the deep South Broadway. It is, it's a little, it feels a little <laughs> hairy. It feels a lot like New York, like where you're walking down the streets, right? You're like, ooh, ooh, no, I'm not going in there. And then you're like, ooh, 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 yes, I am going in there. That looks exciting. I love it. That's exactly how, I, you know, growing up in Oregon, that magic of the big city where it's just never knew what you were going to see. It's great. Well, you know, I mentioned earlier about Denver, as most people who live here know, that Denver has several different art districts. and. I don't know that this area is known to be specific art A void? <laughs> <laughs> this is an art void. I don't know if you know that. Inglewood's known as the uh, you know the hot rod district, right? The motorcycle district, the uh, hardworking um, blue collar guy district. You know what I mean? So how do you guys? Because I not combat that, that, but how do you guys? Work I don't want to combat that. Let me tell you something. The thing is, this is important for people to get. Art is for everyone. It's for every fucking person. And the blue collar guy who's busting his ass, fixing cars for a living or selling them or pumping someone's gas or wiping someone's windows or whatever, or sweeping or emptying garbage cans, it doesn't matter. Your life can be enriched by the most beautiful things that are around you. You just have to understand what you're looking at. It's not exclusively for the 1% of this fucking country. Yeah, you know, it, it's for everybody. I want to poison this community with art. I want <laughs> it to seep into every corner of this place. So let me ask Jesse, well, that was great. I love that. And I want to continue that. I'm like, why, why do you think art is important and we should care about art? Yeah, I mean, I, I come from a, a similar, I hate to kick the dead horse, but different places, we end up at the same place. Sure. Uh, for me, art was a, uh, was a savior, man. I mean, I, was, I felt invisible. I was going through a rough time, 
started doodling on a napkin, came up with the helmet sticker, and that that sticker went to Kinko's. I made 60 on paper, started putting it up around town. I have a tattoo that's similar to the sticker. People saw that and asked me if it was mean. Of course, I denied it because I didn't want to have it. I didn't. I wasn't confident enough yet. Right, right. I think back before that, you know, I, I grew up I'm a six foot eight man. You know, I'd been tall my whole life. Basketball was my life. After that, working tree work was my life. You know, did some other things here and there, but art was always in the back of my mind. But it, there were other things that took over, took precedence over it. The day that I chose to draw draw that helmet changed everything. Yeah. And the passion that that gave me, the confidence that gave me, the the world opened up in a way that it never had before. And it's continued to do so every day since that time, you know, 15 years ago, whatever it was. And for me to be a part of a place that not only does that for me on a, on a daily basis, on a, every show we have, it's going to open my world up even more. But to be able to help help uh, convey that to other people that come in and be a part be a part of that change and a part of that that growth that gets me off in a way that's hard to explain man <laughs> sure. very sure. exciting thing for me yeah when did you find the confidence you mentioned you drew the sticker or you do the helmet sticker and you put it up around town and you didn't have the confidence to say yeah that's mine when did you find that or how did you find that confidence i think i think maybe a little bit like the confidence might have found me because after after a couple of weeks of people obviously knew that that was me. Like I have a tattoo of it on my arm. They're like, come on, dude, give us some of those stickers. We want them, man. We want them. So my friends that would uh, just be around town or in bands that would go on tour, I'd always hand them out stickers and the name fame worldwide within about two years, that sticker was actually worldwide. Yeah. Friends had taken it on European tours. Friends had taken it on vacation. And back then it was, it was a, I didn't quite realize it yet, but it was it was a thrill to see my my sticker up in Tokyo because it seemed like Tokyo was a place I would never get to go to. Yeah, <laughs> I would never sure. I'd never be there, but at least my sticker was there. Yeah. And it gave me this feeling of of um, confidence of I didn't feel I didn't feel invisible anymore. OK. And after that, the sticker kind of took off and people knew me as, oh, that's that helmet, dude. <laughs> you know, the, the way things worked out was I was able to join this band uh, through mutual friends and we were connecting on a weird level and they were one of my favorite bands in Denver and they found out I, I was the sticker guy and it got my foot in the door a little bit more <laughs> and then they found out I had a theremin and it, the deal was done like right. I, I was the guy but opportunities like being in the band or eventually after the sticker got big enough I did a group art show where I gave everyone a blank helmet and they did with it what they wanted. And then we got together at my friend's screen printing shop and everyone displayed their helmets and we, any, any sales went to charity or, you know, artists got the, got the money, donate to the charity. Just seeing that this, this little piece of sticker could bring together 30 artists and 30 artist friends all for, and it wasn't um, on, the, on the front of it, a fundraiser. It was come, have an, come down to this art show. I didn't know what the fuck I was doing. But I thought it'd be a cool way to get friends together and meet other artists. Sure, sure. And after doing a few years of those, I met enough artists that were like, dude, this is great. Like what you're doing, we really dig it. You know, we, we can't wait to see your paintings. And I was like, oh shit, paintings. I, I never <laughs> thought of that. So I was I was tending bar and uh, 
this friend of mine, Zach, would come in. He was a, a chef. He would come in after work, uh, closing time. He and I would have beers. And one night he caught me after quite a few beers. Said his friend had a gallery down the street and that um, I could I should get a show there because my artwork was, <laughs> I think his exact words was, uh, so sick badass, I think is what he said. And I was like, all right, I, yeah, right on. And I had enough beers. I was like, right on, let's do it. <laughs> so long story short, I promised him, 13 pieces for this art show and didn't really think about it, forgot about it. He came back in, followed up, asked me to go down and check in about the art show. I walked in and I was like, Hey, how you doing? I'm Jesse Frazier. Uh, Zach said I could have a show here in November. And this was actually at the end of August or, uh, yeah, end of August. Uh, yeah. So I said, uh, Jesse Frazier heard I could have an art show. Now we're booked up. Sorry, man. So, all right, well, when you guys are open, let me know. So I, I didn't know anything. I like brand new to all of it. So I went back to the bar, forgot about it. So I went in about three weeks later, said, Hey man, I just want to check on your guys' calendar. I'm, I'm you know, I'm Jesse Frazier. Like, well, no dude, like we're booked. I said, all right, man. Well, now I took it as a challenge, even though I'd never painted a painting in my life, <laughs> took it as a challenge. So all right, well, the next opening on your, on your calendar, give it to me. I'll, I'll take it. I didn't know that you weren't supposed to do That's not how you get a show. So I said, just out. Question, do you guys promote the show or do I put like Fame Worldwide Presents? And, oh my God, you're Fame Worldwide? You're, you're the helmet guy? I was like, yeah, that's me. Dude, you're our show for November. Holy shit, we didn't know. Like, oh my God. So I basically had one month to learn how to build canvases and paint and figure out what I nice, wanted to do. Nice. And I guess that, that actually is where the real confidence came from. Up until that point, it was this kind of the sticker thing. It wasn't, I wasn't an artist. I was having fun with stickers. Right. right. And it wasn't until the trial by fire, 13, three by four paintings in a month. And I was proud of all of them. And, you know, actually I think Gordon might've even seen one of the original ones. It was still at the studio from the first show. For sure. I think a lot of artists uh, that I talked to experience that trial by fire or experience that, I don't know if it's procrastination or, or what it is, but like kind of, I've, I've got this thing out in the future that I have to dress and I'm going to ignore. And and I don't know if it's they're looking for inspiration. I don't know if you find that. It's like until until all of a sudden there's no time to wait for inspiration to hit you. You've got to find that friggin' inspiration anywhere you, you can because you have, like you said, you had a month to come with 13 pieces. Yeah, that was just oh, more out of, uh, really out of ignorance. I, did, I just didn't know what I was doing. Yeah, and but I, you found it. Like I would like to say it's changed a lot, but it really... <laughs> <laughs> It's gotten better. I can say that. It's gotten better. better. I can't say that much. And I think that's true for a lot of artists where like they're looking for the inspiration and instead time finds them maybe. Well, that's probably the inspiration, isn't it? Like that's the, that's the key that unlocks the box is the fact that you need to eat. Right. You know, and uh, that's, uh, and I don't think that's um, any different than any other business, which is what, Kind of where I was going with this conversation is that everybody is the same. Everyone has access because it's all relatable. Sure. It is for everyone. Yeah. yeah that sure. emotional gap is not there. There's no distinctions. And um, it's relatable. You know, the relatable moment where you're like, I got myself in way over my head. And if I buckle down, I think I can do it because you had some taste of your own um, success. Everyone who's lived long enough has felt that. Sure, absolutely. Like I can, you know what? I said yes to this. I don't know how I'm going to do it, but I'm going to fucking do it. 
right? And that it doesn't matter who you are. It's there are no distinctions in that regard. Those bridges are there for everyone. Yeah, and you mentioned uh, like success. I don't know how I'm going to do this, but I'm going to do it. And I think that's key. Yeah. And I think a lot, a lot of artists have that mindset too of like I don't know how I'm going to be successful as an artist maybe in a big picture but like I'm going to do this and it's important I think for anybody whether you're an artist or whether you're a business person or whether you're just a blue collar worker of like following through and continuing on with what you're doing and not giving up because that's the only way you're going to find success you know it doesn't just hit you sometimes it hits you but most of the time it's like you got to toil and go through the pain and suffering and that pain and suffering could be one of procrastination it could be one of the lack of knowledge and just kind of fumbling through to success. But I think they all kind of go together to yeah, there, get to that end result. There's no, there's no difference between any of the people who take themselves seriously. I don't care what their profession is. There's no distinctions. Yeah. And I, I can't tell you how wonderful that kind of realization is for me to know that you're not alone in what you're trying to do. Now, if you're trying to create a gallery that accesses everyone and, and brings a little bit of education to every single person, that is exactly the same as the guy trying to sell a car to bring it, bring home the money that's going to feed their kids. Mm-hmm. And, they're, and from that, they're going to make sure their kids are healthy and go to school. My goals are the same as that person's goals. And that the customer leaves satisfied and happy, right? Yeah. And and the the difference is the is just the kind of words and language that I use to describe my profession versus the other person, you know. And those bridges need to be available for people. They need to understand that they're not. There's no distinctions there. It's real. You talked a little bit about Gordon art and what it means to you mm-hmm. and your. Actually, you didn't talk a little bit. You talked a lot about it. Yeah, right? Yeah. No, you get me on a roll, and that's that's where I start. You know, I'm thinking about how I'm talking too much. That's, yeah. you know, but, um, yeah. I love art. I love I art because I, I see it. Jesse, I wanted to ask you as an artist, what, what do you hope to leave the world with your art? Uh, I don't know, man. I guess what I would like to leave behind when I'm gone is if someone sees a piece of mine and it inspires them, to go out and try it on their own, the same way that I was inspired, uh, I guess that would be very meaningful to me. To, to inspire others to become artists themselves, if they have the yeah, if desire they, or inclination. If they see something in my work that inspires whatever their art is, or whatever inspires them to take a chance, yeah, that would be uh, that would be meaningful to me. Okay, that's that's good. I like that. <laughs> inspire, you know, a lot of artists they don't they're. They say things like, oh, I leave, like to leave the world a happier place or my art inspire others to become happy or, you know, all about like the art itself. You touched on your own personal journey and how you would like that journey to actually inspire others in the work that you do. I think that's pretty powerful. Right on. Yeah. Yeah. Gordon, we talk a lot about how talk galleries plan to be different than the traditional gallery model, mm-hmm. but the same kind of question in kind of spun to the gallery level as a gallery owner how do you hope to influence others in a way that's different from the traditional gallery model i love this question um the most important thing that top gallery people have as a legacy is that 
people realize that art is for them. It's, it's in their lives every day. And that rabbit hole will be open for them and they'll tumble right into it. Whether Top Gallery brings uh, a meaningful experience at every show, I would hope that that would be something that people bring away and like, I have to go to every show because we're so different in every, um, every time that we are gonna produce something. But mostly, mostly I think what's going to be the most eye-opening and I think our legacy is that people are gonna see art all around them. It's that moment when you open, you realize there's a window in your home and you didn't know it was there. It's behind the curtain, yeah. you know, and you just kind of pull it away and there's, there's a goddamn window and there's the world and you didn't know it was there and you're just shocked by colors. It's, it's that story on YouTube where the guy puts on the glasses that allows them to see color for the first time. Um, it's, it's about that experience that we are surrounded by metaphor and poetry and symbolism and it goes unnoticed by the majority of us and our world is gray because of it yeah um talk gallery will be color to a lot a lot of people for a long time i like that i'm not sure if i asked this question earlier but i'm gonna ask it again jesse why should we care about art uh, for me personally i mean it's it's my, it's your soul yeah how, how shitty of a world would it be if we didn't have art, if we didn't care about art? What would there be? You know? Nature. I mean, <laughs> one could argue that nature is art. Yeah, for sure. <laughs> for sure. That, I mean, that's how I look at it is thinking about a life without, my own personal life without art in it, I don't think we'd be sitting here talking right now. I would have yeah. <laughs> would have ended it years ago. You know what I mean? Art is a, is a survival mechanism then for some people. Yeah, I mean, you know, for for a lot of people, survival mechanism makes their makes their life better. They have a, they have pretty things on their wall. But for other people, they understand what those pretty things mean and how it affects them and how when they're looking at it, it's not necessarily a pretty thing. It's a reflection of themselves, almost a mirror. Sure. That that's why they chose that piece. That's why it's in their home. And for me personally, art was more of a therapy. I mean, going through a rough time, uh, trying trying to find my way. Yeah, and art kind of gave me a roadmap to to get there, and I'm I'm still traveling on that road and reading that map and trying to figure it all out. But it's a hell of a lot more fun with art in my life than sure. without. <laughs> you know, it's funny you said art as therapy because that's that's kind of a big thing these days in these sort of art therapy programs that people go into, and and I think that across the board, whether you're an artist yourself or you enjoy art just visually or or however, that it is therapy in the creation of art, for an artist, the creation of that art is very therapeutic. Um, and we also talked at the beginning about inspirations. We have just kind of joked about nature, but a lot of artists, and it doesn't matter whether they're musicians or visual artists or, you know, even uh, theater artists, they often, in people that I interview, they, they go to nature as being an inspiration for, for their art, which I find is very interesting because you know, nature, mother nature, however you see the world or see spirituality, nature itself is kind of the earth's art form, you know? There's times, living in here in Colorado, you know, I came from the East Coast and like, I moved to Boulder, and I still, every time when I drive up 36 and go over that hill from Louisville into Boulder Valley, and you see, you can see not only the Flatirons, but the Continental Divide, and this time of year there's snow on the Continental Divide. It's, to me, it's breathtaking, and I don't even know how to really 
it's something that you can't really explain to people. And I think sometimes art has that same effect of like, we talked a lot about understanding art and immersing yourself in art, but just sometimes art is so indescribable. You don't know how to even like talk about it to others. And, and I find like that is, that to me, when it's so breathtakingly beautiful or so all inspiring, that's really powerful about art, you know? You want to say something? Um, well, <laughs> of course, I love to talk. But I, 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 I disagree with that philosophy in a really profound way. Um, what, what's that? Well, when art is separate or nature is separate, um, you, you're not participating in it. You're not, you're not actively acknowledging that you're someone's metaphor, you're someone's analogy, you're, your life is a performance. And, uh, you know, uh, Love and Rockets, remember those guys? Love, you and, know, Rockets. Love and Rockets from like 89, 88. They had, a, they had an album and, and um, there was a song in there and a specific lyric hit me really powerfully back then. And it was, uh, you cannot go against nature because when you do, going against nature is part of nature too. Okay. And what happens in that, in those few sentences that Every act of pushing out against or observing the other or acknowledging something grander separates you. But when you kind of embrace the idea that you're part of it, when you see something grand, you acknowledge that you're grand. Oh, yeah. And you acknowledge that uh, the flat irons are beating through your eyes, you know, that you can feel what you're seeing because it's impacting you personally. Those flat irons are yours, you know, and Boulder is yours for that moment. And you are beating in it. And the observer behind you sees you in that moment too. That's a good way to look at it. You know, and, and that's really an important philosophical difference, I think, in top gallery than the rest Okay. And the vast majority is that we honestly believe that you're partaking in this big thing. Mm. You are not separate from it. It's ready for you. How then do you, do you explain that all struck that you get? Like when you see something in nature that's so breathtaking, like the Grand Canyon is another right. example. You're so, moved by art. Yeah. Right? But you're moved by your own personal relationship to the grandeur okay you know you can't be awestruck for someone else that's true ever and the most the profundities in your life are not the profundities in others right so your relationship with nature and your relationship to the grandeur and your relationship to the cosmos implies your grandeur and implies your cosmic origins and implies your 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 beating heart in the middle of it, yeah. Because it's not the it's not the uh, you don't disappear when you die. The world disappears for you. Hmm. It's interesting. That's a yeah. very interesting. Group. It's a flip. When you die, when I die, I'm going to miss my wife. Right. Right. I'm going to miss my relationship with Jesse, and I'm going to. Be, I'm going to really miss having interactions with people who look at me with wide eyes and go, I hadn't thought of it like that before. Yeah. Yeah. You're part of this, <laughs> you know, it's, and it gives you goosebumps when you kind of acknowledge like every big thing I've seen 
every time I thought I was separate, I was really connecting. I like that. Things up. That is a powerful twist. I'm gonna go forward from this day and try <laughs> to look at things and take and that awestruck will also be me. Yeah. And my my experience of that awestruckness. Yeah. yeah. It's you. It is you. hundred percent. I love that. You're not having the experience for anybody else. Well, let's wrap up then about talk gallery. Your address is you wanna say it? You want me to say it? <laughs> <laughs> All right. Four three eight two South Broadway, Inglewood, Colorado, eight oh one one three. Okay, and and we have if people want to get a hold of the gallery or, or see more, um, there's going to be social media and a website. It's uh, mftalk.com and mftalk.org, and then we'll also be posting our personal cell phone numbers so that you can get a hold of us um, and talk about upcoming shows and your relationship to this place. Your 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 direct connection to you guys. That's correct. I like that a lot. Yeah. You know, in today's world, we're, we're especially the bigger any kind of business or company gets, the more automatic or the more robotic it gets, where I hate calling businesses and you get that automated line. So I think it's really cool that you guys are, yeah. are connecting yourselves directly to your audience. I, I letting them the, it's, the, it's the conversation that starts right away. You yeah. Know, You'll know when you're dialing my number that you're going to reach Gordon, and you know when you're dialing Jesse's number, you're going to reach Jesse. Awesome. And um, and uh, um, we want to have the conversations with you that will inspire your lives to be to open windows in your own home. Cool. Cool. Sue that. Period for an exclamation point. Actually, you know, <laughs> you know, the audio in this podcast isn't going to be spectacular. It's not like we're in <laughs> but I really wanted it to be here in this gallery space. Thank you. So it's in a, it's we're immersing ourselves, and so people listening to that, they're going to hear some echo in this audio. But it's because we are in the gallery, we're in the space that people will will find themselves in, and I think that's really important. Yes, you are. <laughs> Any last words that you'd like to leave with the Crave audience, Jesse? Anything about art? Anything about life? Pearls of wisdom. <laughs> Enjoy every sandwich. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Bring it all the way around. Yeah. Bring it back. Yeah. Fuck you, son. I win again. Yeah. <laughs> That's what it was. Yeah. <laughs> you know, we could just wrap it up right there. Those are two things. <laughs> Fuck you, son. I win again while I'm enjoying every sandwich. <laughs> Done deal. Yeah, right. I love it. I appreciate yeah. you guys sitting down and chatting with me. Thank you so much for being on the Great Podcast. And I look forward to coming to the gallery and seeing all the great stuff you guys are doing. Indeed. Thank you. Uh, thank you for being here, man. Yeah, I appreciate it. Yeah, thank you so much. The music for this episode is podcast guest Jesse Frazier and his band, The Bloody Fives. The tune is One Two Brown Eyes, and it was recorded at the High Dive Bar on South Broadway in Denver, Colorado. Are you ready to go deeper into the arts? Then sign up for the Crave Magazine Podcast Patreon. Starting with episode 26, we are offering a deeper dive into the artist conversation with extended bonus interviews. In addition, subscribers can get their hands on incredible limited edition prints, as well as original artwork from some of the Crave artists. As you know, my mission is to bring art to the world, and as a Crave Magazine podcast patron, you will help make that happen. So please, head on over to patreon.com, that's p-a-t-r-e-o-n dot com, slash Crave Magazine Podcast. 
As always, be good to one another and take time to feed your soul with art.